Regular podcast listeners will have heard me go on and on about how I think Chicago is the greatest American theater city. I'm going to talk to a woman today who embodies two aspects of, why, of Chicago's greatness. Laura T. Fisher is one of Chicago's great actors. And you really, more people should know who she is, but there's so many great Chicago actors that aren't famous enough. I'm plenty famous. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. Thanks for subscribing, streaming, or downloading and listening to us on your computer or tablet or phone. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast number 585, Chicago Theater Standards. So the second thing that plenty famous Laura T. Fisher is noted for, in addition to her fantastic acting work and her humility, is developing Chicago theater standards, a movement that seeks to, and and I'm quoting from their website here, mentor institutions, theater makers, teachers, students, parents, and anyone who would like to learn more about procedural preventions and potential responses to unsafe practices with a special focus on harassment, bullying, and discrimination. Laura was invited to speak about Chicago theater standards and the larger Not In Our House movement at the Shakespeare Theater Association Conference in January. And we got together as soon as our schedules allowed so that we could talk about this incredibly helpful and important work and also how it began. Not In Our House and the Chicago Theater Standards came out of one of these uh, social media moments that we've all gotten to know a little bit over the last couple of years, particularly the last year, but this started in January of 2015 when my uh, Not In Our House partner, Lori Myers, was doing a show. She's a wonderful actress. She was doing a show, as she often does. A young actress came up to her and told her another story of uh, severely inappropriate behavior at a particular theater regarding a particular individual. And if you'd spent any time in Chicago over the last 20 years, hearing these stories was not that uncommon. Hearing these stories about this one particular person or about many people? About this one particular person. So, you know, we had sort of a particular baddie um, in the community. And she put a post on Facebook about it. And she said, if I have to hear one more story by one more young woman, a place we all know about, uh, why aren't we doing anything about this? And she uh, and spontaneously made the hashtag not in our house. And she had hundreds of responses within a couple of hours because everybody knew and everybody was sort of saying, I know who you're talking about. And no names were mentioned, but everybody knew. And within a week, I, I was one of the people who said, I am aware and I am an ally. That's all I said. But there were, in a week, there were a handful of people sitting around a table saying, well, now we have to do something. We didn't know what that meant, but we knew something had to happen because the toothpaste wasn't going back in this particular tube. We decided to have a closed community meeting because we were afraid that this guy was going to come in. Some people felt threatened, physically threatened by this person. And some people had legitimate fear, so it was a bit of a secret meeting, but about 130 people showed up. And I and others sat on a panel and tried to talk about these issues. And uh, it was that night that the idea of creating some kind of document 
was born because I had to, I told these folks, because I had done some research in preparation of this meeting, that in a lot of our small theater spaces, there are no legal protections for sexual harassment and other things like that that are generally thought of as EEOC law. And what does EEOC stand for? EEOC is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and it was created as what we commonly think of as mm, harassment law, discrimination law, about 25 years ago. But it is for what the state of Illinois quantifies as a workspace. And that's usually 13 employees who make a certain amount an hour and work a certain amount of other hours. And a lot of actors and designers, directors, a lot of people who work in small theaters in Chicago don't quantify as that. And the spaces don't quantify as that. A lot of times there's no pay or little pay or a stipend or an honoraria. And so unless something rises to the level of criminal behavior, you know, straight up sexual assault, rape, um, abduction, that kind of thing, there isn't really a whole lot of guidance. Small theater companies don't have HR departments. And they're usually focusing on things like making art and their day jobs, right. to have a lot of time to sit down and be writing employment rules and, and things like that. And so the deficit became really clear. And that night, by the time we left that night, I had 10 theaters on a list who wanted to be a part of making this thing happen. And I decided, I said I would organize the effort, but I also made a lot of decisions really, really quickly. And I'm, to this day, happy about whatever inner compass led me to those things. One was, it had to be a win-win for all players for producers, directors, actors, designers, audiences. We couldn't create something that was going to sanitize the material. We couldn't create something that was going to us them in our, uh, on our stages or in our community. Um, so it had to be a win-win. So I had to have all those kinds of players sitting around the table writing those pieces. So we had stage managers and a circus performer and fight choreographers and actors and directors and artistic directors, managing directors, everybody who has a stake so that if something was overreach, mm -hmm. if something was unfriendly, undoable, expensive, anything that would make a theater say, no, because of that we can't adopt this document, I didn't want that in there. I wanted it to be um, friendly, useful, helpful, not over um, controlling, prescriptive, legal, all of those things, everything was sort of had to satisfy those, be between those two things. Well, and I mean, your inner compass feels like it's because you're an artist and you understand that what we do is is not science. <laughs> it's not math, it's art. And, and there, are, there are ebbs and flows, and there are contexts that are important. And there are all these things. And it sounds like you've navigated this extremely well, because now you're going around the country talking to various organizations, like Shakespeare Theater Association, and people are turning to you for help in crafting their own, their own sort of policies. That must be really cool, he said, questioning. Lee? It's, it's really bizarre. I, when that ha night happened and I pitched this idea, which was completely not pre-planned, yeah. it was sincerely in the moment, born of the moment, I had no credential 
I had no, I don't have a degree in HR. I'm not a theater administrator, although I have been one. I've been with four different companies. I've worn a lot of hats like anybody in small theaters does. So yes, I know the community. I know how theater is made. I know our values, our priorities, our vulnerabilities, our gray areas. So I get it. So when I go into other communities, I try to always make sure that I am staying true to my intention to help. Not to serve myself, not to even serve the document, but to serve the community. So I suggest that they either adopt. The document is free online at notinourhouse.org, Chicago Theater Standards. Mm -hmm. Anybody can read it, adopt it. They can adapt it if it doesn't suit their particular type of company or community. Or they can learn about our process, the values. They can read the language. And they can start over from scratch. All of that was very intentional because I I am not so arrogant as to suggest I'm the only one with a good idea. <laughs> or that I think that this book can be closed because of this document. We've solved it. <laughs> so this is hopefully one good thing to be a choice among other good things. I know that big organizations have sexual harassment policy, have um, are doing more and more excellent work to address these issues. And if this document can be of, of help to them, I, there are some large theaters that are adopting it. I'm looking forward to learning from them how useful they find it, if they find it can be improved for large organizations. Uh, at this point, now that the document is completed and I'm going around and sharing it, I'm sort of along for the ride Yeah. to say, well, does it work? Is it going to expire and be replaced by something better? Uh, I'm interested in all of that. Hi, this is Cynthia Ryder, Executive Director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and this is the podcast for the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Where can you RSC, the RSC? We have one more week here at the new Victory Theater in New York City for the off-Broadway premiere of William Shakespeare's long-lost first play, Abridged. We will follow that up with performances next month in April of Long Lost Shakes in Hayes, Kansas, Indianapolis, Indiana, La Crosse, and Madison, Wisconsin. And then we'll close Pittsburgh Public Theater's season, performing Long Lost Shakes there for four and a half weeks from May 31st to July 1st, 2018. In two weeks, we'll be doing one performance of the Bible, the Complete Word of God abridged in Orono, Maine on March 24th. And our book, Pop-Up Shakespeare, is on sale worldwide. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office venue and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with Laura T. Fisher about Chicago theater standards and the Not In Our House movement. Is there a difference in the value of the Chicago Theater Standards document? Is it different? Is it is it more useful for a small theater that doesn't have a lot of infrastructure and is maybe a bunch of volunteers? Or is it 
or is it equally useful for a large institution that maybe already has sort of HR policies in place? Have you found have you found uh, a common thread for who, who is finding the document more useful? <laughs> The truth is, history is going to teach me these things. Right, yeah. I can make some guesses, and I think about these things all the time now. I think it obviously is most helpful to places that have nothing, because compared to nothing, it's really a lot. Right. But in large institutions that have uh, HR departments that yeah. do work under EEOC law, that are members of Actors' Equity, all of those things contribute to the safety net. But most of those things are not in the room where it happens. Right, right. That's and the trick. Yeah. A lot of the things in the document, the document is heavy on process and preventions, communication, awareness, mentoring, uh, and hopefully all of those things will limit the amount of reactionary uh, processes that are required in the room. Um, right. You don't want you don't want pushback from a bunch of old white guys going. Well, wait. That, what, that, does that mean we can't kiss? Does that mean we can't fight? Does that mean you know they're all they're worried about? Wait. What do you mean I can't do stuff that I've been doing for forty years? You know. Right. Is that the kind of pushback you get? Well. I hear that a little bit. I might feel that a little bit. But I would say to any actor who feels like they can't do something new, they do a new script <laughs> every couple of months. And they learn all the lines. And they learn all the new choreography. And I made this crack in Dallas. That should be like a, a, an opener. I made this crack in Dallas that uh, I, I think holds true. That if, you know, if an actor can remember the lines to Hamlet, they can remember where to put their hands. And where not to? Yeah, this is. It's yeah. It seems all very basic stuff, but I mean, but what? Uh, there were several big takeaways for me at the event, in the, the 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 lecture that you gave, and then the Q and A you did at the Shakespeare Theater Association conference. And one of them was you you were you specifically have chosen not to be divisive. That is a conscious. Choice, which is, which is weird because some people could go, well, I didn't know I was being divisive, but you clearly have thought about this. Well, when I, when the whole thing first started, I could feel the energy of some who wanted to be divisive, partially because people were anguished and enraged at the situation that we were responding to, and while. I didn't have a whole lot of experience in these areas because I suggested this thing. Uh, a lot of people were coming to me with their passions and their ideas. And so I learned very quickly that people process and respond to these things in different ways. Um, and so I had to, I found myself making priorities very quickly. And one of the things I I realized really quickly is if it's divisive. I mean, who wants to be divisive anyway? Maybe some people do. I do not. That wouldn't come under the intent. That wouldn't help serve the intention of helping, which is what I wanted to do. And it also wouldn't work. It would maybe be a flash in the pan. It would have some passionate response, but it wouldn't stick around. It wouldn't be useful. And. The point is, if there is a problem in a show, if there is a problem among a cast, how can we 
create a, a, a procedure, a process, a document that will help keep the cast together, help it heal and move forward, rather than putting a wedge in the middle of the cast that is unhealable. And some of us have been in those casts, the document notwithstanding. Right. Certain things can corrode a cast. Um, and anybody who's experienced that knows that that's not what you want to encourage. Right. But to so the point of the document, in a larger sense around this divisive issue, is that when we're young and we're getting into this business and we're learning how things go, there are so many gray areas in how we do what we do. And, and actors are in a culture of yes. We are trained to say yes to everything, to every job, to every choice, to every reality, to something another actor does. Do you smoke? Do you ride a horse? Yes, of course I do. Yes, I do. Of course yes, I, do. I do. And I do it all naked. <laughs> You're hired. You're hired. I don't need money. <laughs> the other big takeaway for me uh, your, your, from your speech was that uh, somebody asked you about a, 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 a trick to use in rehearsal. The, it, it, is it called Oops, Sorry? No, it's called Oops, Ouch. Oops, Ouch. Okay. Here's the thing. In a lot of the, doc, in a lot of the spaces, the document is used. These are small spaces that use actors at the beginning of their careers. And that is a place where we are learning our values, learning how to work with each other. There's a lot of gray areas in what we do. And we're going to cross boundaries. We're going to misunderstand boundaries. Right. We are going to experience chemistry. We are often confused by what we experience in the chemistry. And so it would be a terrible misunderstanding of our art, of our craft, of our people to try to prescribe um, what is good and bad behavior. And the whole one of the greatest opportunities in these small theaters is to um, to, to mentor pro professional ways of working. So, to model professional behavior. To model professional behavior and to, 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 to offer procedures that spell out how that works. So if a person does cross a boundary, right, if a kiss goes too far, if hands end up somewhere different, the idea is not that, oh, we found ourselves a predator. We have to get them out. That would be a terrible, terrible mistake. The point is to mentor the folks who might be working with the document in a theater that is using the document to keep the company together and to keep that actor or actress, whomever, on their growth path as an artist. So the oops, ouch thing is a tool to help that happen. So that if a boundary is crossed in the moment in a rehearsal, say, uh, the person on the receiving end can say, ouch. And that's code. It's like a safe word. So the other person could say, Oops, I realized, you know, I crossed a boundary. I thought I was playing. I thought we were joking. I respect your boundary because I respect you, because I want to work with you as an artist. And if it's more than that, they can take a five. And that's it. Clean it up, move forward, get stronger, mentor one another, become stronger artists stay in the craft. Yeah, I find that so helpful because I don't mind offending somebody on purpose if it gets a laugh, but I really don't want to offend anybody accidentally. You know, so I can absolutely see somebody saying to me, ouch, 
and me going, oh, whoops, you're right. I, I went too far. I apologize or whatever, you know, whatever the response is. So that seems very useful. There's the a difference, you know. I think there's a difference. We've always, a lot of us in this craft, a lot of us in this Chicago community, we have a toughness. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, if you, if you really don't like boobs and swearing, it might not be the best profession for you. It's not a clean business. Uh, we tackle difficult problems. We tackle things with charged language. But that doesn't mean we have to hurt each other in the process. Right. It's not a license for us to be dicks about it. Okay. Thank you. You said it much nicely. Much more nicely than I did. Well, yeah, and because what's so valuable to, to, to me about what you're doing is that the behavior this document and this kind of thinking uh, strives to help needn't rise to the level of sexual assault. Right. You know, it can be used if you're working with people who were just dicks, you know, just creepy, inappropriate. I mean, that's a lot, but still, there, I can find that there's so much value in finding a way to be able to talk about and address even behavior that doesn't rise to criminal behavior. Absolutely, and I, when we look at this landscape now, we're, we're having these people who've had long and successful careers, who are talented artists, who are also being discovered to rely on abusive strategies in their work, or are straight-up sexual predators in their, in their employment. Um, I would love to believe that as we move forward into the future, some of this behavior will become mentored out of them early on in their careers so they don't get confused or or their talent isn't rewarded in a way that accepts their you know abusive behavior That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You can download the Chicago Theater Standards document for free at notinourhouse.org and read more about the work that's being done and how you can find advice and mentors for your situation or share things you've learned specific to your organization that might be helpful to others. More importantly, if you've experienced inappropriate behavior but didn't know how to respond, you can reach out to Laura and her Not In Our House partner, Lori Myers, by emailing help at notinourhouse.org. Then send us your suggestions via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also engage with us and other fans on Facebook or Twitter. You can find easy links to all these social networks at our website, reducedshakespeare.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. You can follow Laura Fisher at Laura T. Fisher on Twitter. And the RSC is now on Instagram, too, at Reduced Shakespeare Company. Thanks, as always, to Rarely in His House, Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Susanna Hovland. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Cynthia Ryder, Executive Director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 585-1755ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and I'll leave you with Laura Fisher's last word, which might serve as a hope for what the legacy of Chicago Theater Standards and the Not In Our House movement might be. That if a person is just steadfastly refusing to be mentored and change their tactics, maybe they won't be rewarded 
with the most plum positions that we have in the American theater, and maybe the folks who are very talented and not abusive might rise to those positions more often. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company, reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.